Hello and welcome to Staff Picks, the podcast for movie nerds by movie nerds. As always, I'm Mario Lanza and I am your host on our journey through the movies out there that just need a little more love in the world. And our movie tonight is a perfect example of that. This is a uh, my personal favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. We're going to be talking about the 1994 movie True Lies, one that is never, ever, ever mentioned as anybody's favorite Schwarzenegger movie. In fact, it's been kind of forgotten over the years. It was a big, huge blockbuster at the time. It made a big impact on the world. And then for a variety of reasons we're going to talk about, it was just kind of forgotten to the point that to this day in 2019, it's still not even available on Blu-ray. I don't know if people know that. It's kind of forgotten and you never see it on TV. So I'm really excited to delve into a movie which I personally would put in my top 20 movies of all time. And my guest today, uh, let's see, I don't know what you would know her from. Uh, I go way back with her. Her name is Christine Giver, and she and I worked at a website called Survivor Central many years ago. She was a writer named C.J. Blake. And she was very popular on the site. She is a pop culture fan, pop culture expert, movie lover. And I'm dying to ask her about this because I know she works in burlesque. So welcome to the show, Christine Giver. Hi. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I do many things. I have many interests. Um, yes, burlesque is one of my newest passions. Um, my name in the burlesque world is river thong um some people uh, watch doctor who so if you watch doctor who then you get where that comes from i'm proud to say you're the first host i've ever had on staff picks with the name thong so welcome (laughs) (laughs) so true lies how did you become my host for True Lies? Give us a little back history on like your history with the movies. And I know you yourself had suggested this one that you really, really, really wanted to talk about True Lies. Give us kind of your back history here. Yes. So True Lies um, is also one of my favorite movies of all time. Definitely easily in my top three favorite action movies of all time. Um, it's amazing. Um, I think I first saw it when I was probably a little bit too young to watch a movie like that. Um, But my mom was a really big Jamie Lee Curtis fan and um, she loved the movie. And so I watched it and it's just, I I loved it the first time I saw it. I've probably seen it like dozens of times at this point, Um, but it's just, it's, it's amazing. It's my favorite Arnold movie. It's my favorite Jamie Lee Curtis movie. It's my favorite Tom Arnold movie. It's, it's like, it's just wonderful. Wow, your favorite Tom Arnold movie. That's a extensive list. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't think that that's hard. I'm pretty sure for most people they would say that that's probably one of his uh, better better films. <laughs> so this and The Stupids, I think, would be the top two. Sure, sure. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Jamie Lee Curtis, because I have said this for years, and I'm, I'm really excited I can finally uh, document this on a podcast. I have long said that Jamie Lee Curtis is my favorite actress, and she is also my good luck charm in movies, because out of my top 20 movies of all time, Jamie Lee Curtis is in three of them, and I'm so excited that I finally get to mention that. She is in Halloween, which I love. She is in A Fish Called Wanda, which is my favorite comedy of all time, and then she's in this, where she almost steals the movie from Arnold. So once again, just a shout out to Jamie Lee Curtis, my personal favorite actress. Oh, wow. That's the well, I mean, I, I figured that I know how big of a Halloween fan you are. So 
Yeah, a fish called Wanda. That's the that's the one in the middle that people don't remember, which is to me that's like a Jamie Lee Curtis showcase. I love that movie. Have you seen a fish called Wanda? Um, I have seen parts of it. I don't think that I ever have seen it the whole way through. Okay. Well, I am just warning my listeners. A fish called Wanda is coming at some point this year, just because I love that movie so much. Although switching tracks. Now, are you a Schwarzenegger fan in general? Um, I like the movies of his that I like are movies that I think would not be the ones that people think of. Um, because I mean, I'm sure a lot of people, you know, like the Terminator movies or they like, you know, predator or things like that. And, um, that's not my go-to. Um, this is definitely my favorite, but I would say of his movies, my second favorite, um, is the movie where he, was a like a cop guy and um you know like in a dystopian future and they do the like the different games and stuff like that i don't know why i can't think of it right now the running man the running man yes (laughs) okay yeah i i personally am a schwarzenegger fan although i lean more towards his comedies and his comedic movies like i like the first terminator but it's not quite as fun for me i like terminator 2 because it's a little more fun and like I like Total Recall, but it's not my favorite. It's a little too over-the-top violent and not quite as fun. Like, to me, True Lies is the one movie where he finally perfected his formula of action and comedy. Yes. And it's funny because I mentioned that the other day, and I got a lot of pushback on that on Facebook. People said, oh, my God, True Lies is your favorite over, like, T2 and, you know, uh, uh, what's the other, uh, Total Recall. But, yeah, I will always forever defend this one as the best because I think this is the one that not only did he perfect his formula, but it's very kind of sad because this was like his last hurrah. He never really made a giant movie after this. No, no, he really didn't. Yeah, and I will say, Arnold backs me up. I was just reading the Internet Movie uh, Database trivia before this, and he said, this is the movie I was made to do. So this, I think, is his favorite as well. Yeah, it, I mean, it certainly sounds that way. I'm not sure when that quote was from, but um, but but yeah, I mean, it, I, I think it is. Um, I mean, it just, it it like you said, it has that balance, um, and I think that that's what makes it so great. Yeah, and just... This I personally I think this is the funniest Schwarzenegger movie. I know Kindergarten Cop gets a lot of stuff and Twins, but like the laughs in this one, I still laugh about to this day. Would you agree with that? I do. I mean, it's it's very quotable. Um and I'm a pretty big fan of quotable movies. I mean, most people that know me know that The Princess Bride is my favorite movie of all time. Um, so that that's that's exactly one of the reasons why I love this movie, because I can go back and just, like, pick out different lines from it and, and laugh about it. Okay, and let's talk about the other elephant in the room with this movie, is that it gets remembered for being a Schwarzenegger movie. It gets remembered for being a Jamie Lee Curtis movie. A lot of people don't remember it as a James Cameron movie. And uh, that's one thing I wanted to bring up is that this movie, like I said, there for a variety of reasons, it doesn't get talked about this much anymore. But one of the biggest reasons is because this was the big James Cameron movie at the time. I don't know if you know this, uh, Miss Thong, that uh, this was the most expensive movie of all time. Yes. Yes, it was at the time. Um, yeah. And what's interesting about James Cameron is that as of – I, I don't know if that's changed since then, but as of 20 years, like 20 years after the film was made, it was still the only James Cameron, Cameron movie that didn't win the Oscar for Best Visual Effects. That's crap. Did they not see the Harrier scene? <laughs> I guess they didn't. 
Yeah. So, but, but anyway, the James Cameron thing is interesting because James Cameron was known as making the gritty action adventure movies, sci-fi stuff, and like every one was better than the one before it. And again, I personally argue this is better, even better than T2. But then this was the last movie James Cameron did before Titanic, which really elevated him into a different level, a different stratosphere, a different audience. And so people kind of forget about True Lies. That's one of the reasons I think this movie kind of gets forgotten, because then he did Titanic, Avatar, and now he's a whole different thing. But this was like the last straight action movie he did. Yeah, that that is true as well. Um, yeah, and it's 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 sad that you know that it doesn't get that much attention because usually people who have seen it when they remember it remember it for like one thing in the movie that they happen to remember and they don't really like think of you know everything that's in it and everything is just great. Okay, and two things I wanted to mention about True Lies before we get into the plot. One of them I knew. One of them I didn't know until today. Did you know that this was supposed to be a Spider-Man movie? I did not know that it was supposed to be a Spider-Man movie. I just read that today, that James Cameron, after Terminator 2 and all that, all the movies he was doing then, wanted to do a Spider-Man movie. And he had a whole script written. It was an R-rated script. And he had Leo DiCaprio as Spider-Man. And he had Arnold as Dr. Octopus. And that was the movie he was going to make. And for a variety of reasons, it didn't happen. So they just repackaged the script a couple years later and made it with Tobey Maguire instead. But because that movie fell through, Cameron's like, well, I want to do something with Arnold, so let's just do this script instead. So this was supposed to be Spider-Man, but it didn't happen. Huh. That is very interesting. And the other thing that I want to point out is the how you can best describe this movie to people is that it is basically if Arnold Schwarzenegger made a James Bond movie. Yes. <laughs> In fact, I would even go so far to say that this is not only my favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, this is my favorite James Bond movie. <laughs> sure. I mean, it, it's pretty close. Um, I think, I, I mean, way, the way that I've seen it described is, is if James Bond had a wife and kids to come home to and, like, answer to and stuff like that. So Yeah, and that's exactly how Cameron pitched it, too. He's like, what if James Bond had a wife and kids? And yeah, so it all worked out. And, and I will personally say I have never been able to take a James Bond movie seriously after seeing True Lies because it's like this is the ultimate. They can't top this. This is a James Bond movie. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it really is. So. <laughs> okay, we're going to dive into here one of the most quotable movies, one of the greatest action movies of the 90s, which was the action decade. But I have to share one thing, Christine, before we get into this, that – when I first saw this movie, I was very disappointed with it, and I hate to admit that. Um, let's see, could you guess? I, I don't know. This would be almost impossible. Could you imagine why a person would come out of this movie and be disappointed with it? I mean, I don't I don't know. After seeing it so many times, and I still love it, I, don't, I really don't know. Okay, I will give you a hint. There's a certain line that Arnold Schwarzenegger was known for in every movie he ever did, and he didn't say it in this movie. And I was waiting the whole movie, and there were several times he could have said it. He does not drop a, I'll be back in this movie. <laughs> that is true. He doesn't say that. Yeah. So I will forever remember seeing this movie with my parents in 1994, coming out, and being a little bummed because we never got I'll Be Back. And I was, it took a couple reviewings for me to watch and realize, okay, maybe I don't need that. It was awesome anyway. <laughs> I mean, he did use a couple of the other normal Ar Arnold things, uh, the whole grab my hand. He did use that, so. 
Did he ever yell at somebody to get down? I don't think he did. I don't remember that. Okay. Now, just before we dive into this, do you have a Schwarzenegger impression ready? I mean, I wouldn't be very good at it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, one could argue, was Arnold even good at it? Come on. Uh, I mean, that's that's fair. (laughs) Okay, so we are going to dive into True Lies, my favorite Arnold movie, my second favorite action movie after The Rock, just because The Rock is awesome. But this one is funnier than The Rock, so... Anyway, here we go. So, True Lies, how do we start? This one starts in Switzerland, right? In the, uh, the, the mansion? It does. Okay, explain that to people. Do a little setup for people, because I know I actually have a couple listeners who have never seen this movie before, which I'm aghast by, but okay, they have, may have never seen it, so set this up for them. Yeah, so it starts off in Switzerland, like a traditional spy movie. I mean, you know, like it, the, the whole Bond thing definitely translates there, um, where there's a, a big, you know, gala or event, and there's armed security all over the place. And clearly, you know, anybody who is there is probably very rich and important. And then here comes Arnold under the icy water uh, in a scuba suit, uh, breaking through so that he can sneak into the party. Yes, here comes our secret agent, Harry Tasker, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I have to give a little asterisk here that I love. Every Almost every Arnold movie, he has the most white bread name as a character. <laughs> yeah. When I look at Arnold, I think, oh, that's Harry Tasker. <laughs> or, or, or that's John Kimball. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so here he comes, and Arnold is a secret agent. He's been infiltrating this uh, mansion in Switzerland. He comes up through the ice in this uh, river. And I love the shot where he's got a wetsuit on, and he pulls off the wetsuit, and he's, he immediately has a tuxedo underneath, and he blends in with the party. Yep, so easy. <laughs> now, who are some of the characters? Oh, wait, he's got, he's got, a, got a backup team. Explain his backup team to people. Yes. So his backup team um, is Tom Arnold's character, who is in a van. Um, and then there is also another analyst with him that is, you know, trying to help hack the, the files that Arnold's trying to get within the mansion. Um, so they're in a van off somewhere else in the, in the distance, um, not super nearby, uh, while Arnold's getting into this party. You know what I just realized? If Arnold comes in through a frozen river and Tom Arnold's in a van, Tom Arnold is literally in a van down by the river. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, we have Tom Arnold as Arnold Schwarzenegger's sidekick. And this is a there's a couple funny little things about this movie is that it has amazing side characters. In fact, I would say this movie has two of the funniest side characters I can think of in any action movie ever. One of them, inexplicably played by Tom Arnold, who I've never seen funny in anything else. (laughs) And the other one is going to be Bill Paxton. We'll get to him later. Right. (laughs) Yeah, so Tom Arnold and the other guy is Faisal. Yeah. Fast Faisal. My wife loves Faisal. That's her favorite. Yeah, so they're they're in this van and um, they're waiting for for Arnold to do what he needs to do. You know, he gets into the party, of course. You know, is able to effortlessly brush off anybody who looks at him, you know, very questioningly, like, "Who are you and what are you doing here?" And he just, you know, makes up excuses along the way for what he's doing in various places um, and manages to get into uh, a room uh, upstairs so that he can start the whole uh, hacking process. And I should add that Arnold Schwarzenegger, as the world's greatest secret agent, seemingly speaks every language known to man. (laughs) 
That is true. Yeah. He's going to drop Arabic on people. He's got, what other languages? There's like four languages he speaks in this movie. Yes. There's Actually. German. Yeah, French. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Arnold gets in and he's hacking into this, this, uh, this mansion is owned by a guy named Khaled. And he's a suspected arms dealer. So Arnold is hacking into his computer and they download all his files. And then Arnold has to escape the mansion unopposed. And on the way out, he meets another great character in this movie. Uh, Juno Skinner, the female femme fatale, played by the uh, babelicious Tia Carrere. Now, I have some t- uh, some trivia about Tia Carrere, Christine. You might want to hear this. Okay, sure. If Tia Carrere were a president, she'd be Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Tia, Tia Carrere did not show up in too many movies, although I was always a fan of her because she was absolutely gorgeous. She was in Wayne's World, obviously, and this is... She herself has said the favorite movie she ever did because it's the only time she ever gets to be a villain. Right. And what is she? She Juno Skinner, what does she do in this movie? So she uh, deals in, in arts, um, and she seems to be a person that really is just focused on what, you know, the, the financial aspect of things. So, you know, making money off of her art dealing, which we'll, you know, we'll find out later from a motivational standpoint as, you know, as far as what she does um, and why she does it. But, um, but yeah, she's, that's what, that's what she's there for is to deal with uh, Khaled. Are you a Juno Skinner fan? I, I don't know that I'm like a, a fan of hers. Um, I mean, I am a, I am a Tia Carrere fan. And actually that was part of why I was like, oh, cool. The, the chick from Wayne's World's in this movie. And, you know, I really wanted to see it. And it was just such a different take for her. <laughs> I, I love her as a villain. I really wish she would have done more villain roles because she's got such a mean face when she wants to. Right. <laughs> She, but she's great. We'll we'll talk more about uh, Baby and Majora here later, later in the movie. <laughs> but, but yeah, so Arnold's in the in the mansion trying to escape with the data, and he gets cornered by Juno Skinner, this gorgeous arms dealer. And instead of trying to escape, because the guards are kind of onto the fact that somebody has stormed the mansion, he d- decides instead to seduce Juno Skinner and do a tango with her. And this will be one of the things that most people remember about this movie: the tango scenes. Yes, that is correct. I mean, I would say that that's probably 60% of the time when I mention this movie to somebody, they're like, oh, that's the movie where Arnold did the tango. Yes. And I mean, he he had to practice the scene for six months. So I guess if people remember that movie for that, then all of that training paid off for him. Yeah, I read that, that there's so many things Arnold has to do in this movie that are action things that he'd done in other movies, but he'd never tangoed. So we had to do all these tango lessons. And I will say, I'm not entirely sure it paid off because I remember seeing this with my mom in 94 and her initial instinct during all the tango scenes is they're never showing him from the waist down. There's no way he knows how to tango. (laughs) (laughs) So my mom instantly calls bullshit on Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, I mean, maybe he didn't do as well. So, yeah. But yes, he tangos with uh, Juno Skinner and seduces her and she falls in love with him, basically. And then that's the end of it. And now he has to escape the mansion. He's placed the bug. He has downloaded all the files. He has to get out. And again, this is a typical James Bond opening. This is exactly what you'd see in a James Bond movie. Yes, it, it, it is. Um, I mean, kind of just down to the last detail, um, but it, it's done in, you know, definitely a more humorous way. It's definitely not like straight, straight like the James Bond movies are. 
And we do get one of the best Tom Arnold quotes in the movie. I will set you up for it to see if you remember it, where <laughs> Tom Arnold's like, get out of the mansion, get out of the mansion. And Arnold won't because he's too busy slow dancing with Tia Carrere. And then do you remember Tom Arnold's movie, his last, his, do you remember Tom Arnold's line, his last bit of advice to Arnold here? Oh, crap. I don't remember that. what that line is specifically. Seconds count, buddy. Ditch the bitch. <laughs> okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yep. Okay. I got it. That's it. That's Tom Arnold. Okay. So our, uh, Schwarzenegger leaves the mansion. And she gets out, he gets outside and the guards are all there and they're like, uh, let me see your invitation. And Arnold shows them his invitation by blowing up their, their uh, storage shed. And then from here on out, it's just one big chase scene. Again, just a James Bond opening scene of every single guard on skis with guns coming after him as he runs down to the safety of his van. Right. And what's so funny about that scene is because um, I don't know if you've ever watched the TV show Archer, but I had watched this movie since watching Archer. And there is a particular episode where Archer is running from bad guys on skis and, you know, various types of uh, travel devices on, you know, that go through snow. And it reminded me so much of that scene in that movie. So it almost made me wonder if whoever made that episode of Archer stole that idea from True Lies. (laughs) Well, my wife hates James Bond movies and she always says, Every single one is in the snow, and they all have skis. They're so stupid. And I love that this movie even has snow and skis for no apparent reason, just as a James Bond tree. <laughs> I mean, they were in Switzerland. It's, it's fair to say that, they're, that they had skis there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and right here we have one of my all-time favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger action stunts with the dogs. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Yes. Okay, explain this one to people. This one makes me laugh every single damn time I see it. Yeah, so he's trying to get away and the, you know, the bad guys have these attack dogs and the dogs come after him and he just picks the dog up and like, you know, has them basically headbutt each other and knocks them out, (laughs) which I've never seen before in a movie ever. (laughs) He does the bonk defense on the guard dogs where he picks them up, slams their heads together and knocks them down. Yeah. It's great. So Arnold escapes to save the day and he gets in the in the in the van with Gibb and Faisal and they go back to to the, the United States with their mission accomplished. And it's a wonderful James Bond opening. We're kind of glossing over some of the details because this is a long movie. Yes. But I just say it's a great James Bond opening. It would fit in any of the Roger Moore movies, especially. For sure. Okay, so we go back to D.C., and we get a little glimpse into Arnold Schwarzenegger's home life here. So uh, explain this to people. What what kind of a setup does he have back at home? So at home, for him, it is kind of like the polar opposite of his spy life. Um, He himself, uh, I think he makes himself ultra boring um you know and his wife is you know played by jamie lee curtis is just this plain legal secretary who just you know kind of goes about her life and they have a rebellious daughter who you know has a a boyfriend on a moped and i mean like that's that's kind of what he's got there and we do have a future star in this movie as his daughter yes yes eliza dushku Yeah, she's only like 12 years old in this movie. Right. And I mean, at that point, of course, nobody really knew who she was. And she would eventually go on to play a spy herself on Dollhouse. So, 
Yeah. Okay. So, so his, yeah, his home life is his daughter, Dana, who hates him, his frumpy wife, Helen, played by Jamie Lee Curtis. And I got to say, they really frumped up Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie. They have her looking so mousy and so meek, and I love it. And it's going to make her transition later in the movie so much more awesome. Well, right. And I'm sure that that was done, you know, intentionally because it, it just it, it gives more of a contrast. I mean, if she was just like, eh, you know, maybe she's just a little bit frumpy. It, it just wouldn't have had the impact that it did. Yeah. And I do have to give people a little back history here. Jamie Lee Curtis, if you don't know, when she first came up, she did like Halloween and all the Scream Queen movies. And then after that, she did a succession of roles where she was always the sexy one. Very sexually aggressive, very dominant. Usually you'd see a lot of her body. And it was really interesting to see them really frump her up and make her look all dowdy in this one to the point that she's going to reveal herself to old Jamie Lee is going to pop up later in the movie. But it's really awesome the transition she goes through. It is for sure. And I mean, like you mentioned, because before that, I mean, when she was in, you know, Halloween and things like that, I mean, I was a kid, so I didn't have any concept of like what a sex symbol was. But I mean, you know, when I grew up and, and understood things, then, you know, I people told me, oh, yeah, like Jamie Lee Curtis was a big sex symbol back in the day. And I'm like, oh, OK, you know, it was something that I wasn't even aware of. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, for people that, that would have been at that point, then they would have really seen the the juxtaposition there. Yeah, there's a movie in the early to mid-80s called Perfect, I believe, with, I think, John Travolta's in it, and she plays an aerobics instructor. And there's a very famous topless scene she has in that one, and I believe at one point she was called the perfect body in Hollywood. So it's very interesting. We're going to see Jamie Lee reveal that once again later in the movie. But not for now. For now, she is Helen, the sad, lonely legal secretary. (laughs) Yes. Okay, so we go to work. And we see where Arnold works. Arnold and Tom Arnold play a character named Gibb. And they work in a place called the Omega Sector. Yeah, so they have to walk through the Omega Sector. And there's all this high-tech security. And we go over, they go over this little seal that says this is like the last line of defense in the U.S. This is like the ultra-secret, ultra-high-secure, the top most trained agents in America that protect the U.S. against uh, terrorism. And we meet their boss. I don't remember his name, but he's played by Charlton Heston, right? Yes, that is correct. And Charlton Heston is mad because they were supposed to get all this data from Khaled, and they somehow screwed up and got caught. And so they said, what did you learn? So well, what did they learn? They learned a little bit about the plot here. What what Khaled is into? Um, they learned that they were looking into uh, nuclear weapons, that there is a, a terrorist group, um, the Crimson Jihad, um, and that that's, that's what they were trying to do was acquire nuclear weapons. Yeah. So this guy's an arms dealer in Switzerland. He's trying to acquire nuclear weapons, and somehow they're trying to smuggle them into the United States through this Persian architecture, these Persian statues that Juno Skinner herself is buying. So again, it's a very convoluted James Bond setup that we, what we need to know, these nuclear weapons are coming into the U.S. This beautiful woman, Juno Skinner, is somehow behind it. So Arnold is going to have to meet up with Juno Skinner again and find out a little more about what she's doing. Yep. And I mean, it considering his meeting with her the, the last time in Switzerland, um, it, it makes sense because it wouldn't be out of place. I mean, she did tell him to contact her. So um, I think that that works out pretty well for him in terms of uh, the, the plot flow. 
So we get a lot of juxtaposition here of Arnold doing his stuff at work, his spy stuff. Then we flash back to Jamie Lee Curtis doing her boring legal secretary stuff. And that's the whole charm of this movie, this married couple not realizing what the other person really does for a living. And that was, this will come to a payoff later. But for now, just we bounce back and forth between a spy and a legal secretary who just assumes her husband is off at a sales convention selling computers. Yep. And I mean, he makes it pretty believable. So it's easy for her to just kind of kind of go along with that. And um, yeah. And the other running joke, of course, is that Harry will miss every important event back at home because he's off doing spy stuff. But she doesn't know this. So she just thinks he's late about he's late for everything. Yes, um, because he's doing his important computer salesman work. Yes. And, you know, Harry. (laughs) Yeah, you know, Harry. Okay, we're going to get to the first big action set in this movie. I'm going to just skim through a couple of things here where Harry goes to visit uh, Tia Carrere. He finds out she brings in Persian uh, art into the U.S. And she's got all these Arab henchmen that kind of do this work for her that bring in the stuff. Turns out that they're the actual terrorists. They're working with her. And they're suspicious that this guy, Harry, is on to her and is spending so much time with her. So they start following Schwarzenegger. They're like, why is this guy hanging around? What's he looking for? And this is where we get the first big action part part of the movie where three of the terrorists are going to follow Arnold downtown into Washington, D.C. Yes. Um, And actually, it's funny because I think every time I've seen that movie, I thought to myself, I mean, they're, you know, they're trying to get nukes into the U.S. and do all of these things. So I get the the suspicion, but like going after him, guns loaded, seems kind of an extreme response to that (laughs) without actually knowing that he was a spy. Um, So that that was always interesting to me. You know, Christine, the Crimson Jihad is not subtle. Oh, I have to point I have to point this out um, for years. We love my brother and I love this movie, uh, True Lies. And that's the name of the terrorist group, the Crimson Jihad. And for years, that would be one of my favorite fantasy baseball team names, the Crimson Jihad. <laughs> <laughs> Until 9-11 happened seven years later. And then it wasn't quite so fun to make jihad jokes. So <laughs> the, the glory years of the Crimson Jihad, seven years of fantasy baseball. Right, and and also the reason why true the, the sequel to True Lies never got made. Yeah, talk about that. That's very interesting. I don't think a lot of people know that. Yeah, so they were um, talking about that for years. James Cameron wanted to make a sequel to True Lies, and it, they just kind of went back and forth on it, and it was in development. And then 9-11 happened, and the very next year they were like, eh, terrorism isn't funny anymore, so we're probably not going to do this. Yeah, and I would also argue that's one of the reasons this movie never got released on Blu-ray, why it kind of got forgotten, why you don't see it on TV, is because showing terrorists in a comical Looney Tunes way perhaps was not quite so fun after 9-11. So, unfortunately, like I said, for a lot of reasons, this movie just kind of got forgotten for for several reasons. But, yeah, that's definitely one of them, I would say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. With that being said, let's talk about this scene and let's shit on some terrorists a little bit. <laughs> So so these three terrorists come into Washington, D.C., and they're following Arnold. And Arnold's got these spy glasses where you can see what's happening behind him. And they meet up with him in a bathroom. And we get a classic Arnold Schwarzenegger scene where he goes mad ass on these two terrorists with machine guns in a bathroom. 
Yeah, and do you know that originally that scene was supposed to take one day to film, and it ended up taking seven days to film because James Cameron said, no, no, this has to be so much bigger than what, what it is. What? How dare you suggest that James Cameron would go over budget and over scope on something? <laughs> how dare you, Miss Thong? <laughs> that never happens. <laughs> Yeah, for people who don't know, James Cameron, very notorious for always going way over budget on everything, and it will pay off, but yeah, he's kind of a pain to work with, but yeah, this this toilet, this bathroom scene is fun, he takes out two terrorists, and then the main guy, Aziz, comes after him with a machine gun, and we get a really long, protracted chase scene here where Aziz... Uh, tries to kill Arnold, Arnold escapes, and then Arnold tries to catch Aziz, find out who this guy is, and Aziz is on a motorcycle, Arnold is on a horse, and they basically race through the entire rich section of downtown Washington, D.C. Police chase on a horse! <laughs> yes, <laughs> with Arnold repeatedly saying, sorry, sorry, <laughs> every time he inconveniences somebody, I always, I always laughed at that, he says, sorry, as he runs over a police cruiser, sorry. <laughs> Yep. Um, and of course, uh, this this famously culminates in uh, going up to the, the roof of a building and the motorcycle doing a jump across from that building to another building where there is a pool on the roof. Uh, yeah, I have to say, when I saw this in the theater opening night with my parents and uh, yeah, Aziz is on his motorcycle. He jumps off a skyscraper and then inexplicably lands on a, in a swimming pool on another skyscraper you didn't see in the shot before. Like almost everybody in the theater laughed at how inexplicable and how unlikely that was. So I'm just pointing out that in the theater that did not get a good reaction. <laughs> and I never saw it in the theater, so I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have known that. But uh... yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, that that was one of those things that I'm like, this movie is full of things that need to go on Mythbusters to say, can this really happen? Can someone really jump off the roof with a motorcycle and do this and be okay? You know, what's funny is my, my, my son watches Mythbusters, and I swear they have done this stunt on Mythbusters. <laughs> Could you jump off a skyscraper into a swimming pool and be okay? I, I mean, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I'd have to go back and look because I never saw that on MythBusters. But it, it seems, <laughs> seems kind of unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So this bad guy Aziz has escaped, and he's like the lead of the terrorists. He's the lead crimson jihadi. And we go back to work, and this is where, where Arnold has missed his own birthday party because he was out chasing Aziz, and his his parent, his uh, wife and daughter, are mad. <laughs> but the, one of my favorite quotes in the movie here, Christine. They go back to the Omega sector, and they're trying to figure out who this guy was Arnold was chasing. They find out his name is Salim Aziz, and they find out he's this huge baddie. He's killed people all over the world, and, and Faisal says he's known as the Sand Spider. <laughs> Charlton Heston's like, why? Why do they call him that? And Faisal says, probably because it sounds scary. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it does, so he's right there. <laughs> yeah. So that's the first movie. The first movie is over. This really is three movies in one. There's the Arnold story, there's the Helen story, and then there's the Arnold and Helen story. So we finished Act 1 with Tia Carrere bringing in all this Persian art with nukes into the U.S., and Aziz, the leader of the Crimson Jihad, trying to get them. And they're kind of on to the fact that Harry is after them. Now we're going to go into story number two, which is my personal favorite story in this movie. Yes. Um, so 
basically what happens at this point, because, you know, Harry has been all busy with the, you know, chasing the terrorists and everything else like that and missing his birthday party, um, that he doesn't realize, you know, that his wife is unhappy and he goes to her office to surprise her for lunch and hears her talking to a guy. Yes. So apparently in all his neglect for his wife, Harry has allowed Jamie Lee Curtis to start up an affair with a mystery man. And Arnold is horrified. Oh, my God, my wife is having an affair. And well, we don't what do we learn at the start? We just learn that he's having an she's having an affair and Arnold is crestfallen. And like Gib, his buddy, has to cheer him up. He's like, what do you think? You're never there. Of course, she's going to be banging some other guy. But <laughs> this is where this movie turns into a flat out comedy when we learn exactly who her mystery man is. Yes. So basically what happens at this point is, uh, you know, Harry is like, I'm a spy. I have access to all of these resources. So we're going to bug her phones and start surveillance. And then he turns, you know, and finds out that this guy is at first he thinks, oh, this is this is a spy, too, and finds out that it's way different than that. (laughs) Yeah, this is. Again, I have a friend, Mike Feeney, just was talking to me. He's like, I've never seen True Lies. I'm like, you have to see it just for Simon. Simon is the greatest character in any movie ever. Bill Paxton here is Jamie Lee Curtis's, uh, what would be the right word, her her lover. They haven't quite consummated it yet, but he's, he's working the angles. He's trying to get in. His shtick is he is a used car salesman who pretends he's a spy to meet women. And it's Bill Paxton at his smarmiest best. And all we hear is the phone conversation of her, of him giving spy stuff to Helen and her being all excited by it because she wants some sort of excitement in her life. And this is where we find out where, where Arnold has to go meet Bill Paxton at the used car lot. Yes, um, it is great. And, and actually, I didn't mention this earlier, but this is also my favorite Bill Paxton movie. So. Oh, yeah. It's just he's he's so great. Um, And yeah, Arnold goes to meet him um, at the used car lot to kind of get a little bit more details. And, you know, he's asking him, how how do you meet these women and and tell me about them? And then he, you know, gets him. He's like, oh, are you are you talking to anybody right now? And gets him to start talking about Helen. And he's like, oh, yeah, she's she's hot and has an ass like a 10 year old boy. And, and of course, Arnold's getting extremely irate about all of this. Yeah. Okay. Let me pull out some Simon quotes here, which are not appropriate whatsoever. (laughs) Simon perhaps does not treat the female gender with the utmost of respect. (laughs) No, he does not. Yeah. Christine can verify. Simon talks about how he picks up women. Again, he's Bill Paxton in a comb over and a mustache, a little used car salesman. And what he has is he has a Corvette that he drives around to make women think he has money. And his exact quote here is, the vet gets him wet. It's all about pussy. (laughs) Arnold's like, you're talking about my wife. Like he doesn't realize this yet, but Arnold's trying to figure out who is this guy moving into my woman. And then, and then Simon's like, that's how you pick up women. You lie to them. You promise them danger and adventure. You work on their dreams and you get them out of their rut. And Arnold's like, what about their husbands? And Simon's like, dickless. <laughs> if they took care of business, I'd be out of business. And Arnold's like, ha ha, those idiots. 
So, you know, Arnold's going to pound the crap out of this guy. But here we go. Here's the other quote that you had said earlier that he's like, I got this one lady, Helen. I got her panting like a dog. And here we go. I'm going to go right into my Bill Paxton impression. He goes, this is word for word. Don't please don't cancel me on Twitter. I'm just quoting Simon. He's like, she's like a lot of these babes. You get their pilot lit, they could suck start a leaf blower. And you should see her pair of titties. Makes you want to stand up and beg for buttermilk. Ass like a 10-year-old boy. <laughs> it's so horrible. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's perfect. But then there's a fantasy sequence of Arnold punching him in the face and killing Simon. Yeah. <laughs> but... And it would not be the first time that Arnold punches Bill Paxton in a movie. Yeah, so what other movie did he punch Bill Paxton? In The Terminator. <laughs> yeah, so if there's ever been a more punchable character, Simon has got to be right up there. <laughs> Makes you want to stand up and beg for buttermilk. That's the line. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> My God. <laughs> so, so we find out later that Gib, uh, Arnold's sidekick, thinks that it's hilarious that this world-class spy is being cheated on by a used car salesman. So he's laughing. He thinks this is hilarious. And Arnold is going crazy now. This guy is cheating on me. Let's let's find him. Let's kill him. And they put all the surveillance. So what happens here? This culminates in the big confrontation scene, right? Yes. Um, so they, you know, basically. Um, Simon takes uh, Helen back to his his place or, or whatever and is like, yeah, so you need to come to Paris with me and, you know, all of this stuff. And then she agrees to, to do it. You know, she she's like, I, I, I just need to, you know, take a take a chance and do something. And then all of a sudden, boom, there's a helicopter and there's guys rushing in and everything's just crazy at that point. Yes. Simon, in an attempt to woo Jamie Lee Curtis, is taking him back to his international lair, a.k.a. his trailer, and he's really putting the moves on her, trying to get her to stand up and beg for buttermilk, and, and it won't work. Helen won't do it. She will not give in to Simon. She won't sleep with him, but eventually she agrees. Just because she's in such a rut in her life, she will agree to go to Paris with him, pretend to be his wife as this spy mission, just because her life is so sad. And this is when, of course, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Tom Arnold and all them burst in and and scare them and kidnap them and, and Simon's like what the fuck man like he, he, he has no idea take her yeah take her take her <laughs> oh although I, I have to point out the one other line here where Simon is trying to get Jamie Lee Curtis to sleep with him and she won't do it and he resorts to the classic maneuver if not for me do it for your country for your country <laughs> yeah, so I love this scene. I, see, unfortunately, True Lies kind of gets a little hit. A lot of people think it's misogynistic during this part of the movie. Although Jamie, uh, James Cameron has defended it. I've read his, re his, his response to that. Have you seen what his, his argument, why it's not? Um, not with respect to that part specifically. Okay, yeah, he says this whole point of the movie is about empowerment to Jamie Lee Curtis. She's had a sad life. She's given a promise of adventure. Arnold's going to give her a promise of adventure, and then she will take it, and it changes her life. It makes her all confident. By the end of the movie, she's super confident. So he's like, these scenes are a little uncomfortable here, but it, it leads to a greater purpose later. 
Right. And I mean, I think that that's a fair point. That's kind of the way that I always saw it. I mean, it wasn't that she ever had to change to like be this like sexier, more confident person for anybody. She did it because she wanted to. Yeah. Although here is the scene. A lot of people have a problem with this scene, the interrogation behind the one way glass scene. Right. Okay, so set this one up for people. What do they do with poor Jamie Lee after she has been uh, taken from Simon's lair? So um, Jamie Lee Curtis's character is put in an interrogation room with a two-way mirror and just like a stool for her to sit on. And behind the other side of the mirror is Arnold's character and uh, his, his buddy Tom Arnold there. And they're basically interrogating her, asking her questions. Um, and at first it's, you know, kind of to make it sound like, who are you working for? And, you know, stuff like that. But then the questions get much more personal um, as far as asking her, you, you know, your husband isn't really ringing your bell anymore is he and stuff like that yeah it's a very antagonistic scene to begin with they're very harsh but the tone of the scene changes because arnold's trying to figure out why did you cheat on me like she's like he's like did you love this guy why did you cheat on your husband and she's like i just needed something in my life i was sad i i it's so boring i just sit at home i need a purpose and he offered me adventure and i kind of took it and and Arnold's like, did you sleep with him? And she's like, hell no. And she gets all mad. And so, but it really kind of takes a turn here where we realize that he starts to feel bad. He realizes I've neglected this woman all these years. I didn't give her, you know, the love and the life she wanted. And she turned to this. So he starts to feel bad. Right, exactly. Um, and then he, he, you know, at that point um, decides to give her that, that sense of adventure that she's looking for, uh, while at the same time kind of resolving that whole situation in a, in a really interesting way. He is resolved. The, the affair is over. The affair actually never happened. She never slept with Simon. But she even says the line she was, she's like, I needed to feel alive. And he's like, okay, so he's going to do something for her. And again, it's in, her, it's in his own way, it's very romantic. He's going to give her a spy mission where she can feel alive and feel like she did something. And they're going to set her up as a spy with their agency. And uh, this, the line that always makes me laugh here, I don't know if people will get this joke. They say, you're going to work for us and your, court, your code name, your, your contact's name is going to be Boris. And your, your name is? And she's like, Natasha? Because a lot of people, I don't know if you know, that's a famous spy duo back in the in cartoons, Boris and Natasha. And he's like, no, not Natasha. Your name is Doris. And she gets this look on her face. Well, that's stupid. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just I love that whole scene. That's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Um, and actually, like. I think one of the lines that Jamie Lee has, it's probably my one of my favorite quotes from a movie ever. And I think it's like the most impactful part of it where, like you said, she said she just wanted to feel alive. But there's a part at the end before he decides to do that where she says that she wants to look back and say, see, I did that. That was me. I was reckless and I was wild and I fucking did it. It's just like that. That I don't know. That's one of my favorite things in the whole movie. Yeah, you kind of forget how good Jamie Lee is in the dramatic scenes in this movie. Like, she's good in the action, she's good in the comedy, but she really has a couple good monologues. And I think this scene, she really kind of steals it here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, she's she's central in that scene, and that just kind of leads into the next part, which is also one of my favorite scenes in the movie. So, Are we talking about Simon, Simon's humiliation? Well, that, that too. I mean, like, like <laughs> there's so many good scenes in this movie. 
Okay, well, let me let me drop a little trivia on Jamie Lee Curtis. I just read this earlier today that when they were casting this movie, they had a hard time figuring out who would be the wife. Right. And Arnold Arnold Schwarzenegger did not want Jamie Lee Curtis. He didn't see it. It didn't work in his head. And James Cameron is like, she's perfect. I've seen her in A Fish Called Wanda. She can do comedy. She can do sexy. She can do everything. And so they had this big thing, this big uh, debate between the two of them, who would be the wife. Eventually, because Arnold Schwarzenegger couldn't find anybody better, he's like, okay, I will trust your judgment. We'll go with Jamie Lee Curtis. And to his credit, Arnold loved Jamie Lee Curtis so much in this movie that at a certain point, I don't know if people know this, that normally when the star signs a contract, the star, you get the billing, like your name, it's always Arnold Schwarzenegger in True Lies. Right. Arnold Schwarzenegger actually waived that part in his contract so it would be Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jamie Lee Curtis above the titles. He just did that out of the goodness of his heart because he felt that it was a it was a co script movie they were partners it was about their relationship and she was equally as important as he was to the story so he waived his contract so she could be up there and jamie lee curtis in interviews has said how amazing that was because nobody ever does that right but they really don't um and i mean like like you said it's it, the the movie is kind of you know three movies in one and it's very much about them as a couple and so i think that it would do the movie you know an injustice if it wasn't that way yeah and we are about to get the scene where she actually probably steals the movie from Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. <laughs> okay. First, we have to dispose of Simon, the used car salesman. <laughs> After they're uh, Gib and Arnold are convinced that Jamie Lee is actually on their side and is going to work for them now, they have to go dispose of, of Simon, who they say is the international terrorist Carlos the Jackal. <laughs> <laughs> They take him to a freeway overpass and they're going to push him off to his death. And suffice it to say, Simon does not take this well. <laughs> no, Simon is not very happy in this scene. Um, he basically reveals his true colors and like, no, I'm not. I'm not Carlos. I'm not a spy. I'm, I'm nobody. I sell cars and and I have a tiny dick. And, you know, like he he just tells everything. Yeah, let me once again go into my Bill Paxton impression as I quote Simon, who has so many great lines in this movie. I'm not a terrorist. If I ever saw a gun, I'd, oh my God, don't kill me. I'm a total coward. I have to lie to women to get laid. I'm nothing. I'm navel lint. I got a little dick. It's pathetic. <laughs> and, then, and then Schwarzenegger pulls off his ski mask and Simon sees it's him. And Simon gets all excited. He goes, Hey, it's you're the car guy. You're the car guy. Do you still you still interested in that Corvette? <laughs> as 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 if you know, as if he would be like you know at that point, like hmm, I wonder why he if he he was at my dealership for another purpose and not really to buy a car. <laughs> Might I remind you, the vet gets him wet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, in the theater, this got the biggest laugh. This whole scene with Simon. And Simon's so pathetic, they won't even kill him. They just tell him to piss off. And then Simon literally pisses off because he pees himself. Yep. <laughs> so, poor Simon, left humiliated. Although, the great thing about this movie is Simon will return later. I know. I know. I'm like, you would think that that would be enough for him to be like, nope, I'm not doing this anymore. But that that's not the way Simon operates. 
Okay, so let's lead up to the big Jamie Lee Curtis scene, one of my favorite scenes of any movie in the 90s where she is being sent on her first mission. And I will set this up so you can you can explain it, that she is... Jamie Lee is now Doris, the international spy, and she's supposed to go on a mission, and she's terrified. And there's a great scene at home where she's at dinner, and her hand is shaking, holding the coffee, just waiting for this call. And Arnold has to pretend he doesn't know why she's going to get called. And so what is her mission? She gets a call eventually. What is she sent out to do? So she is told that she has to go to a hotel um, where there's going to be an arms dealer waiting there for her. And she is told to dress sexy. And she is a hooker named Michelle. And that she has to tell him that his normal girl was not available. And then um, that, that he just he just wants to watch because she's she's terrified. She's like, oh, my gosh, am I going to have to sleep with him? And like, no, no, he just likes to watch. So she she has to go to the hotel and do this. And then play and plant a bug on the phone while, while doing this. Here's the part of this scene. There's many parts of this scene that are fantastic. There's the scene that my mom always laughed at. My mom, I remember, loved this movie. Is that they tell Jamie Lee Curtis to dress sexy in her sexiest outfit. And we immediately cut to her at the hotel. And she's in the least sexy dress you have ever seen. This is her idea of sexy. It's this big old frumpy 1920s ball gown. <laughs> it's terrible just lace all over <laughs> that that is how this middle-aged housewife thinks a hooker would dress uh, apparently so um <laughs> that's that yeah i mean I, that that's what i think of what i think of a hooker is you know completely covered from head to toe and like black chiffon and everything yeah so poor helen tasker is supposed to be the sexiest call girl hooker she's gonna walk into this arms dealer's room and she has to seduce him and plant a bug and she has no idea what she's doing and there's the one the wonderful scene in the front of the mirror explain that one to people Yes. So basically she's on her way to this room and she stops in front of a mirror and looks at herself and, you know, probably is like, no, no, this probably isn't that sexy after all. And so she proceeds to tear off all the big floofy parts of her dress and, you know, essentially making it so that she has all this cleavage showing and her her dress is really short now. And she uh, dumps some water from the, the plant that's on there on the table and like slicks back her hair and uh, basically looks completely different. Yeah, this is the wonderful transformation scene where Jamie Lee Curtis becomes Jamie Lee Curtis again, where she goes from frumpy Helen to Michelle, the international hooker. And it's like astounding how much different she looks all of a sudden. Yes, it, it is. Yeah, with her hair slicked back. She's got the greatest little F you look on her face. She's practicing her sexy poses. And you're like, I can't believe that's the same actress. That's incredible. <laughs> Yeah, and, and what's what's funny is, I don't know that a lot of people know this, but Jamie Lee Curtis actually won a Golden Globe for this movie. As she should have. She's Again, I think she's the best thing in this movie. She steals this movie. She does. Yeah, so, so sexy Jamie Lee has to go into the hotel room to uh, talk to this international arms dealer. And again, in his own way, this is Arnold Schwarzenegger being romantic. That he's the arms dealer, he's hidden in the shadows, he's holding a rose... Anything for my princess. <laughs> and basically, he's she's going to do her mission and get a rush, and then he's going to kiss her, and they're going to make love, and it's going to be all romantic. So in his mind, this is a very, you know, nice thing to do, but it's not going to go exactly as he planned. 
no, no, not not quite, because he he wasn't paying attention to other things that were also important going on. <laughs> okay, so the scene starts, and Jamie Lee's there in front of him, still kind of nervous, and he's got this dubbed voice, this French voice that's telling her what to do. It's like, now unzip your dress. No, do it, do some aunt. do it very slowly. <laughs> now, <laughs> and so she strips down, and she's in her bra and panties. And once again, as I point out, Jamie Lee Curtis once called the greatest body in Hollywood. You kind of see that again, like, oh, wow, Jamie Lee's back. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. Um, And and even at this point, though, you know, like when when he's, you know, telling her to do this um, and then he says to dance, she she starts kind of kind of dancing, not in the most sexy way. It's like the hokey pokey she does. Now, I got to tell a story that I had a friend, a girl named Tara. We used to work together at Subway back in the 90s. And she and I loved this movie, and we used to quote it all the time. And anytime one of the two of us caught the other one dancing to the music, like we'd have music playing in Subway, like uh, 80s music or something, if one, if, if one of us caught the other one dancing to the music while we were working, we'd walk up and say, no, dance sexy. <laughs> <laughs> it's right out of this movie. So, yeah, that's the scene that... <laughs> She wants the stripper to dance for her for him. Jamie Lee does the hokey pokey and he's like, no, dance sexy. <laughs> so then she busts into what could only be described as burlesque. And it's I'm so glad we have a burlesque performer here. Uh, explain this dance to people. Yeah. So and, and what's really funny about this is that, like, you know, years later watching this movie, I can actually very much relate to it when I started to perform in burlesque because, you know, I I was also someone who, you know, I never did anything like that. And I happened to have a friend that was into it and was like, hey, you should do this. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a new mom and I need to get some excitement in my life. So I'm going to try and do something. And when I first started to do it, that's very much how I felt was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. And then, you know, it was kind of like she she starts to dance and then you can just see her all of a sudden get this confidence like okay like i i look awesome and i'm going to dance and this guy's going to enjoy it and so i mean that's basically what she does now when you first started burlesque did you start with the hokey pokey i did not start with the hokey pokey um but i i will say that i was a lot more awkward than i am now so i can <laughs> definitely relate to that scene <laughs> Yeah, so here's Jamie Lee Curtis's proud moment of she starts dancing, starts feeling it, and within about 30 seconds, she is a full-on stripper, and she's feeling herself up, and like Arnold is like, oh my god, and she, she's, <laughs> Helen's really getting into it and grinding against stuff and touching herself, and Arnold even drops the tape recorder, he's so shocked. It's just a wonderful scene. Well, and just a couple of other like little tidbits that people don't know about that scene is that number one, the part where she falls, that was planned, but Arnold didn't know it. And so his reaction when she falls is genuine, like because he really thought that that wasn't supposed to happen, even though it was planned the whole time. Um, And the part where he dropped his tape recorder was not supposed to happen. So like there were just a couple of things in there that were kind of impromptu and I thought were really great. (laughs) Yeah. Again, there's, if there's two scenes you need to watch in true lies, watch Simon, anything with Simon and then watch this scene, the Jamie Lee Curtis strip tease, which is like, Oh my God, old Jamie Lee Curtis is back. And you, again, you cannot believe that's the same frumpy woman who was the legal secretary at the start. Yep. 
It's incredible. It's I, I love it. And again, my remember my mom just thought this was the greatest scene ever. Where Jamie Lee all of a sudden takes over this movie for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, she definitely does. Um, and so it, yeah, it's a great scene. And then it just goes in a whole other direction pretty quick. Yes. Yeah, so movie number two is about to end the Jamie Lee Curtis story where she does her dance and she does, seduces Arnold and she still doesn't know it's him. And he says, lie down on the bed. <laughs> and so she lays down and he comes over and he's going to kiss her. He has a little rose and he's going to kiss her. And this is going to be the big reveal. I'm your husband. But of course, she doesn't know it's her husband. So she clocks him with a telephone, knocks him out, kicks him in the gut, calls him a pig. And then right before they have the big reveal and she figures out that he's actually Harry, all of a sudden, the bad guys from Act One come bursting into the room, all the terrorists, and they come running in because they've been following Schwarzenegger this whole movie. And so now, Act Three is going to begin where the terrorists have Arnold and Jamie Leake as kidnapped. Or, sorry, they have kidnapped them, and they are now their kidnap victims. And that's probably, like, one of my favorite parts, too, because the whole thing is, like, since since Jamie Lee doesn't know that Arnold is a spy, she thinks that they're after her. And then he's all like, no, he's like, you can just leave the hooker. She she doesn't need to be a part of this. Yeah, that, that always got a laugh in the theater, too. Jamie Lee's like, no, it's me you want, not him. It's me. I'm, the, I'm Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, li don't listen to the hooker. She's crazy. <laughs> yes. So Jamie Lee and Arnold are kidnapped and whisked away into a van and they, they meet Juno Skinner again, the evil Tia Carrere and, and uh, a great Jamie Lee Curtis moment where she's trying to convince uh, Juno. She's like, this is my husband, Arnold, or this is my husband, Harry Tasker. And Juno's like, no, he's an international arms dealer. And, and Juno and Helen don't like each other right from the bat, right from the start, except Helen gets knocked out. Jamie Lee gets knocked out with a little injection into her neck. <laughs> and I love this little line. She's like, ow, that hurt. You bit. And then she just falls down. <laughs> <laughs> oh. so, uh, so anyway, here's act three of the movie where the Taskers, Mr. and Mrs. Tasker, are rushed off to an island off the Florida Keys where the terrorists have set up a base. They have four nuclear warheads that they have been smuggled in through Juno's artwork. And they are going to rain fire on America. And I will give you a little trivia here for Christine and for anybody else that this was at the time, this was a actually legit security loophole that was in the U.S. Terrorists could have come in through the Florida Keys and driven up and there would have been no customs. And the movie makers knew this and they wrote it into the movie. And the government was very quickly to close that loophole because of this movie. <laughs> I, I didn't even realize that they did that because of the movie. Yeah, it was all because of this movie, because they're like, wait a minute, this was way too easy. And, and Cameron's like, yeah, we looked it up. It is really easy to do this. <laughs> all right. So here on the island in the Florida Keys is the Crimson Jihad, the whole section of this, the whole faction of them led by Aziz, the Sand Spider. And Arnold has been kidnapped because Arnold is supposed to film a video confirming that they have nuclear warheads and they can rain them on the U.S. And this is, of course, one of the funnier scenes here where... Helen finally learns that Harry is a spy. Yes, and she is very surprised. Um, and it's just, it's it's the whole irony of it, because she was, you know, kind of talking to somebody who said that they were a spy, but were actually a salesman. And this whole time, her husband, she thought was a salesman, is actually a spy. 
And she takes it well by punching him in the face. Yes. <laughs> okay, some great Arnold Schwarzenegger one-liners here where the terrorists want Arnold to confirm that what they have is a nuclear warhead for their video. And they said, what is this? And Arnold's like, I know what this is. This is an espresso machine. <laughs> no, it's, it's a snow cone maker. Is it a water heater? <laughs> yes, just having a little bit of fun with the terrorists. Again, the... Uh, the criticism of this movie is that he made terrorism look terrorists look like buffoons could not be more evident than in this scene when the terrorists are filming a video on their camcorder talking about the Crimson Jihad, how they're going to be a power, and the guy's going on a rant, Aziz. It's like, you have been attacking our people. You have been attacking our women and children, and you call us terrorists? This is now our time for the oppressed to fight back. And as he's filming it, the battery on their camcorder runs out. <laughs> And the the look, the look on that guy's face, you could just see him sweating, and he's like, like, oh god, oh god, what if what if this runs out? What's what's this guy gonna do to me? Batteries, as he's <laughs> exactly what he says. Yep. <laughs> big laugh in the theater, big laugh. But again, nine eleven after nine eleven, terrorism perhaps not as funny, but still in ninety four it was pretty funny. Yes. Batteries. So this is where we find out that now they're screwed, that Crimson Jihad is going to blow up a bomb here on this uninhabited island just to show that they have nuclear capabilities. Then they're going to drive into the U.S. over the Florida Keys and blow up one major American city every week just to show that they mean things. So it's, it's a big problem now. And Arnold and his wife, Jamie Lee, are locked in the room with the interrogator so the, uh, the Crimson Jihad can find out who Arnold works for. And this is one of the funniest scenes in the movie, the interrogation scene. Yes, it very much is. Um, because, I mean, at this point, Helen is extremely mad at Harry uh, because she was a spy all this time and she didn't know. And he's, you know, handcuffed, um, injected with truth serum, about to be interrogated. And the truth serum starts to kick in and she starts asking him all kinds of questions. Yeah, okay. Shout out to the creepy interrogator guy who looks like a corpse. <laughs> <laughs> this old guy looks like the preacher in Poltergeist 2. It looks like he's death on wheels. He's uh, This old guy's interrogating Arnold. And he's going to kill him, and he injects him with truth serum, and then they have, the old guy walks away, and Arnold's you know, handcuffed to a post, and Jamie Lee's like, uh, are you injected with something? And Arnold's like, yeah, truth serum. And, and she's like, is it working? And he's like, I don't know. Uh, ask me something I'd probably lie about. And she says, are we going to die? And he's like, yep. <laughs> Have you ever killed anyone, Harry? Yeah, but they were all bad. They were all bad. <laughs> so the creepy old interrogator comes in and he says, you know, Arnold is all drugged and he's he's tied up and handcuffed and he's at his lowest moment. He's about to be interrogated and then killed. And the old interrogator says, is there anything you want to tell me before we start? <laughs> and Arnold's like, yeah, I'm going to kill you pretty soon. <laughs> and the old guy's like, I see how exactly. And Arnold's like, first I'm going to use you as a human shield. Then I'm going to kill that god over there with that tool on the table. And then I was thinking about breaking your neck. <laughs> and the old guy's like, oh, and what makes you think you can do all that? 
and Arnold all of a sudden drops the drugged act and says, you know my handcuffs? I picked them. <laughs> and then he does exactly what he said he was going to do, uses the guy as a human shield, takes out the guard, he frees himself, and just like that, Arnold is free, and he goes on a rampage where he's going to go mad-ass and kill every single person in the Crimson Jihad. <laughs> I mean, just about, except for the, the few that got away. <laughs> yes. And there's a wonderful scene here where, you know, Arnold's taking a gun and blowing people away. And at one point, one guard takes Jamie Lee Curtis, holds a gun to his head, her head, and Arnold just spins around and shoots the terrorist without even any concern for his wife's safety. And she's like, oh, my God. And he's like, next time, honey, duck. <laughs> <laughs> Again, just so many quotable scenes. Do you have any favorite lines or scenes during this whole section? Um, I mean, that section, it's it's great. Um, I would say definitely like the interrogation scene is probably my favorite part of that whole um, that whole bit. Um, and then I know there's an interaction between uh, Juno and Helen where um, like a after, you know, Arnold, Arnold ends up um, like supposedly getting blown up because Aziz you know, she tries to shoot him and he ends up in the water and everybody thinks that he's dead. And then Juno finds Helen and, you know, takes takes her. And then um, Helen stops and slaps Juno across the face with her wedding ring, like reversed, so that it basically scratches her across the face. Um, and I, that whole exchange I love as well. Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis and Tia Carrera have a wonderful cat fight in this movie, one of the best I've ever seen. Yeah. They they really do not appear to like each other much. They they certainly don't. <laughs> Although, the one more scene, another scene, I always remember getting a huge laugh in the theater when this happened, is there's a scene where, where uh, <laughs> Arnold gives Jamie Lee Curtis a gun, because now she's his ally. But, of course, she's never done anything like this before. And he's like, take this gun and shoot it and, like, kill people. And at one point, Arnold is being attacked by all these bad guys. And he's like, shoot them. <laughs> and she comes running to the top of the stairs and starts shooting people. But she has no familiarity with a machine gun. So the recoil immediately knocks her backwards. She drops the gun and the gun slowly trickles down the stairs. And as it falls down the stairs, it somehow kills every single bad guy in the room accidentally. Yes. I don't, I don't know how you accidentally kill a room full of bad guys with a machine gun, but, but she did it. Yeah. That got a huge laugh in the theater. And it's even when I watch it now, I still laugh just watching Jamie Lee Curtis flapping her hands helplessly. It's <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> straight up comedy. This movie is a straight up comedy. I'm telling you, this is like a James Bond comedy. That, I mean, that it really is. Okay. So now we go to the final part of the movie where... All the Crimson Jihad has been wiped out except for Aziz and his uh, his warheads. Aziz is in a helicopter with one warhead. There's two other warheads being driven across the Florida Keys on the bridges to the mainland. And then the last one is Juno and a driver and Helen. They have Helen uh, kidnapped. And this is where we're going to get a Juno and Helen catfight in a little bit. So... The Omega Sector, uh, Gibb and Faisal come, pick up Harry because they knew where he was, and they load up into helicopters and Harrier jets, which I love. And this is where we have the big grand finale of action. It was a very expensive grand finale. Those Harrier jets cost $100,000. Each, like, per Harrier jet? No, I think it was total. But this is the scene a lot of people just remember the movie for this scene with these... Awesome. Now, if you guys don't know what Harrier jets are, they're these jets that can take off vertically up and down, and they have these unbelievable, like, uh, arsenal in them. And it's like, this is one of the first times they'd ever been seen in a movie, I would assume. 
I think so. I mean, not that I remember prior to that. So the Harrier jets come and they see these these uh, vans with nuclear weapons being driven into Miami across the Florida Keys and they blow up the bridges in some awesome special effects scenes. Yes. Which I would assume those were all miniatures. They didn't really blow up those bridges, right? No, no they, they built a, like some kind of replica or something from what I understand. Okay, so the Harrier jets that have been hired by the Navy take out all the terrorists in their vans, and basically the only thing driving left is the limo in the back with the driver and Juno, Skinner, and Helen. And this is where we get the wonderful cat fight. And I will, as a gentleman, I will let the lady describe this one. Please talk, talk us through the cat fight here. So they're, they're in the limo, um, you know, Juno and Helen, and I think, you know, Helen seemed like she could uh, sense, you know, what was what was happening, obviously. And the second that she found an opportunity and got Juno a little bit distracted, she went for the gun um, to try and, and get her. And the gun ends up, you know, going off a few places, ends up shooting the driver in the head. So, you know, at this point, the limo's kind of just bouncing back and forth on this bridge as they're fighting. Um, and then at one point, Helen grabs the, like, champagne or wine bottle that was in there and hits Juno in the head with it and uh, knocks her out, at least temporarily. And then she's getting through the, the, the roof of the limo, um, trying to, to find a way out. And then along comes Harry's helicopter. Yeah, I, if I recall, this uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and Tia Carrere fight won the best fight at the MTV Movie Awards that year, as it should have, because it's really the two actors are just beating the crap out of each other. <laughs> and they look good, too. They throw good punches. Yes, yes. It's, it's, it's a very <laughs> physical fight. Yeah, and, and Jamie Lee Curtis wins, a, you know, the empowered woman, the spy now. She takes out this horrible arms dealer, and Tia Craig gets knocked out. And then Helen, their their limo is being driven without a driver. The driver's been shot in the head, so they're out of control. And they're going to go off the end of the Florida Keys because the bridge has been knocked out by the Harrier jets. And so we get this absolutely fantastic stunt where Jamie Lee Curtis has to stand up out of the sunroof of the limo Arnold Schwarzenegger has to fly down with his helicopter and grab her, and he has to pull her out right before the, the limo goes off the edge of the bridge. And as awesome as the stunt is, what's even cooler is I believe I read Jamie Lee Curtis did this stunt herself, right? She did. She did it on her birthday. On her birthday. And she has said it was the coolest thing she has ever done in a movie. Yeah, and basically the reason why she ended up deciding to do it is because she was talking about it with James Cameron, and he like said that he was going to essentially be hanging out of the helicopter with a hand cam to shoot the scene, and she said if he was willing to do that, then she was willing to do the stunt herself. That's right. James Cameron puts his money where his mouth is. He will be out there dangling out just like she is. And again, it's some of it's done with green screen, obviously, but she'll, still, she's in a moving car being pulled up by a moving helicopter, and it was very dangerous, and mad props to Jamie Lee Curtis for pulling this off on her 35th birthday. Yes. <laughs> Great shot. And then, yeah, so she's saved. All the terrorists die. There's a comic scene of one of the terrorists. Their, their truck gets teetering right on the edge of the bridge. It's going to fall, and they think they're saved, and then a bird lands on the hood, and they fall off and die. I remember that got a big laugh in the theater. That that part was funny. And then also, like, as Jamie Lee was being pulled to safety, then Tia Carrere comes to and realizes that she's about to go off the bridge and just says, oh, shit. 
It's a shame when Tia Carrere dies in the movie because I don't know if people are aware of this, but in France she'd be known as La Renard, the fox, and she'd be hunted using only her cunning to survive. <laughs> <laughs> see, how, see how many Wayne's World references I can get in here. Oh my gosh. So, fare thee well, Tia Carrere, wonderful villain in a movie. I wish you would have done more because she is really, she just is really nasty when she wants to be. I loved her in this. Yeah, she she really was great as a villain. Um, and I wish that like she would have she would have done more. Like she could have she could have played a villain in another movie. It would have been wonderful. Yeah, there's a great underrated scene earlier in the movie when Harry and Helen first get arrested and and uh, Juno figures out that they're husband and wife. And she's like sliding all over Harry and kissing him and saying, oh, tell Helen about us, about how wonderful it was. Like she just I just love her in that role. So I just have to get a shout out to the underappreciated Tia Carrere in this movie. Yes. OK, time for the finale, the big finale of this movie where. There's only one terrorist left, Aziz. He is holed up on a high-rise in Miami with a bunch of his other Crimson Jihad buddies. And somehow they have kidnapped Dana. They found out that Harry has a daughter. They have kidnapped her at some point in the night, and she is a hostage. And he has the one nuclear warhead left. And this is the big thing. He's going to blow up downtown Miami. Yes. Um, and what, what he doesn't realize is that he has an expert thief held hostage, um, who ends up stealing his key to his warhead? Because um, I know we didn't mention it, but earlier in the movie there is a you know a big a big thing where they find out that uh, Dana is stealing money from Gib, and so you know she she steals the key and then tries to get away with it. Okay, yeah, there's a lot of stuff happening at once in this last scene. People just remember the ending, but I will set it up for people who don't remember that. Arnold finds out that Aziz is on a high rise in Miami and Arnold's like, give me one of those Harrier jets. And apparently we find out that he flew Harrier jets at one point where Tom Arnold's like, Oh yeah, it's been 10 years, but you've been in this before. And so there's this comical scene of Arnold trying to fly in a Harrier jet and trying to take off and crushing a bunch of police cars in the process. But he eventually makes it to Miami in his Harrier. And there's Dana, his daughter, who has stolen the key that will detonate the nuclear bomb, and she runs away, and she's out on a girder on top of the building, and Aziz is coming after her, and it just will all lead to a lot of mayhem and violence and explosions here at the end. Yes, um, which which inevitably, that was what it was going to come to. Um, but yeah, she's, she's out on this girder, and Aziz is trying to get her. Um, and she's, you know, trying to, to balance on it because there's not a, not a lot of room. And she gets to the point where she's almost ready to fall. And then Harry comes along in this Harrier jet kind of hovering underneath her, telling her to jump onto it so that she can be safe. Yeah. Her dad, who she knows as a computer salesman, has just shown up in a Harrier jet to rescue her. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> yeah. She's like, dad. Dana, get down! Dana, get down! <laughs> Although, I have to give a shout-out to one of my favorite scenes in this movie, just pure mayhem, where <laughs> there's all this floor of all these uh, crimson jihadists. There's like 12 of them on one of the floors of the building, and they're looking out, trying to find, trying to look at stuff, like through binoculars, and Arnold just flies up in his Harrier jet right into their, their peripheral, into their uh, horizontal vision, and he obliterates the entire floor of the building with his Harrier guns, which I just love. Yes, that was that was really good because, I mean, they're they're looking and they're like, oh, there's something really close. I need to adjust my vision. And then, oh, crap, it's a Harrier jet. <laughs> yeah. 
So Arnold and Faisal, Faisal, his buddy, is in the high rise, happens to wipe out a bunch of the terrorists. He's a, the man on the inside. But together, it's really just there's three bad guys in the helicopter left, and there's Aziz, who is up on the high rise. And it's kind of complicated. I'm going to try to explain this, that Arnold rescues Dana. She jumps down on the top of his Harrier jet. Aziz also jumps down onto the top of the Harrier jet, and we get this James Bond fight of them on top of this moving Harrier jet, much like, again, James Bond. It's like the end of Octopussy when they're on top of a uh, plane. But it culminates with, with Arnold rolling the plane to the left, telling Dana to hold on. They spin. Aziz, the terrorist, goes flinging to the side, and he gets trapped on a warhead. There's a, one of the missiles on the Harrier. His backpack gets stuck there. And this will end with one of the greatest endings of any Arnold movie. And I will give you the honor of what's about to happen here. <laughs> um, probably. Yeah, definitely one of the best endings and like the perfect line for it. So Aziz is just hanging there and you can see that he's, you know, realized his situation and Arnold has the plane turned in such a way that he can fire through the floor that he just obliterated in the building um, with all the other terrorist guys and shoot at the helicopter with the rest of the bad guys. And he just looks down at Aziz and says, you're fired. And then just shoots the missile into the helicopter. Yes. One of of the greatest, most iconic Arnold one-liners, you're fired, shoots Aziz on a missile into the helicopter of the other bad guys, and it all blows up. And I should point out that later... When Arnold Schwarzenegger later hosted The Celebrity Apprentice for, I believe, two seasons, one or two, I forget. Did he use that line, you're fired at the end? I think he did, but I can't remember 100%. I don't know, because I didn't watch it. But I mean, I would think so, because that's that's typically what what you say at the, at the end there. So <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> but that, I mean, I remember being in the theater. That just got a huge round of applause. Great ending to a movie. Big, you know, spectacular explosions. Everybody blows up and Arnold saves the day. And that's the end of the movie, basically, that everyone is back together. And Helen has is back with Arnold. And now she's gotten a touch of danger. And now she trusts him because he tells her the truth. And it is a happy ending. But guess what? We're going to get a fun epilogue at the ending, which really drives home the greatness of this movie. Yes. Um, I mean, also one of the best scenes, but as we've discussed, any scene with Simon is one of the best scenes. So Simon, he's back. Simon's back. <laughs> okay. So the last scene of the movie is the ta- it's a year later after Arnold has saved the day and everybody loves each other. The family's all close now. And uh, Arnold and Jamie Lee are now a spy team, Boris and Doris. And it's a year later and they're now called into action. We just see them at home and everyone's happy. And Jamie Lee has much longer hair now, looks much more laid back and cool and chill. And they are called, Boris and Doris, need to go into action to this mansion, not probably in Switzerland this time, but very similar to the one at the start of the movie. And we basically reenact the start of the movie only with Arnold and Jamie Lee as a team now. Yes. Um, And so, yeah, they're working as a spy team and they're trying to look for their target. And then what... What do they happen to see? But they see Simon talking to some some poor, unsuspecting woman. 
Yes, Simon. <laughs> Despite all poor Simon the car salesman has been through, he is here in this exotic European mansion somewhere, hitting on people as a waiter, pretending that he's a spy, saying, you know, I can't be seen here. It's too dangerous. Doing the exact same shtick he did on Jamie Lee earlier in the movie. And Jamie Lee's like, oh, look, I see an old friend. So they go, they go up and they confront him. Yes, that that was great. Um, they they confront him first. He sees Harry, and then he sees Helen, and then he pees himself again. <laughs> yeah, see, we meet again, Carlos. He's like, no, no, I'm not Carlos. I'm Simon. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Lee puts a little tube of lipstick up to his chin like it's a gun, and she says she's gonna kill him, and he pees himself all over again. Then <laughs> Simon runs off and. That's basically the end of the movie, although we cannot end the movie without another tango scene where the music on the ballroom floor starts up again and Jamie Lee and Arnold start tangoing just like he did with Tia Carrera earlier in the movie. But this one is much sexier, much better because it is husband and wife who have rekindled their love for each other and it ends with them tangoing and it's just a fantastic ending to a movie. Right. As Tom Arnold in the background says, Harry, I know you can hear me. You're ignoring me. Next time I get to be inside and you be in the van. I've been in the van for 15 years. <laughs> and that is True Lies, my personal favorite Arnold movie. I would argue peak Arnold Schwarzenegger. I could almost argue peak James Cameron, although I think Titanic and Avatar probably negate that a little bit. As action movies go, I think this is peak Arnold. I think it's peak Cameron. I think it's peak Jamie Lee Curtis. It's peak Bill Paxton. It's just so awesome there's so many good things about it and again just for a variety of reasons it kind of gets forgotten because it's not a movie you're supposed to talk about with the laughing at terrorists thing <laughs> so unfortunately that's the problem and again not available on blu-ray it's supposed to be maybe one day soon but it still isn't to this day which is very very sad terrible it hurts me because this is again i think this is a movie that should have the reputation that like terminator 2 does i really do Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it should be right up there, you know, with that or even comparing to, you know, non-Arnold movies, it should be right up there with like Die Hard. So, yeah. And we've, we've talked on staff picks before about how the 90s was like the golden age of action movies. All the great action movies were the 90s. And I put this one right up there with any of them, although you could argue it's more of a comedy. But still, it's I, I cannot imagine anybody not liking this movie. It's just a fun movie. It is. I mean, I, you know, anybody that I've ever recommended it to was pleasantly surprised. So I, I think that it's great. And for anybody that hasn't seen it, you need to find it now. Yeah. Oh, although we do have to point out the uh, Elijah Dushku controversy. Do you know about that? Yes, actually, I, I am familiar with that. OK, I didn't want to. Yeah, I, I didn't want to end this on a downer, but we should at least mention that in the purpose of uh, completion. So tell people a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, as you mentioned earlier, Eliza Dushku was uh, 12 years old when this movie was made. And something that, you know, people were not aware of, of course, until years later was that the um, stunt director um, says something along those lines that he um, later she said that he had um, sexually assaulted her while she was working on the movie, um, the, like for, for an extended period of time where he, you know, tr got, gained her trust and, and stuff like that. And then it ended up assaulting her. And that um, actually she had mentioned too, that she was injured on the set and she still maintains that that injury was not unintentional that, you know, that he had something to do with that. Yeah. To sum it up just a little 
more succinctly, she, this guy was grooming her, the stunt coordinator. He tried to assault her. When she rejected his advances, he specifically set up a stunt that would be unsafe. And she actually broke two of her ribs on the Harrier jet scene. So that there's a little bit of a pall kind of cast over this movie because of that, although James Cameron, Jamie Lee Curtis, Arnold were never included or implicated. They all said they had no idea. It was all the sun coordinator. And Eliza Dushku has said the same thing, that they didn't do anything. It was just him. But that was always kind of one of the controversies that just came out about this movie just like a year ago. Yeah, it was it was pretty recent. Um, and I mean, like all of those people that you mentioned, um, if I if I believe correctly, I think they've all come out and like said that she was, you know, brave for for talking about it and kind of came to her defense over the situation. Um, so, yeah, it's it's unfortunate, um, you know, knowing that that happened, especially because this is a movie that I love so much. But, um, you know, it doesn't it doesn't take away from the movie. It's just uh, an unfortunate situation. Yeah. See, I would agree with that. It's, it's, I, 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 I don't even know how to phrase it, but it's, I, I don't think that should take away from the amazing work that like Jamie Lee Curtis does in this and Bill Paxton and Schwarzenegger. So it's, it's, you have to acknowledge it obviously, but I don't think that should be the only thing people think about when they think about this movie, because so many other people have said this was the greatest movie they ever worked on. Like Jamie Lee Curtis raves about this movie, Schwarzenegger. They all had so much fun. They all wanted to do a sequel. And like you said, there were plans for a sequel for years and it just never happened for a variety of reasons. But this was absolutely a huge triumph for almost everybody involved. And again, just because James Cameron made bigger things later, people kind of forget about it, but I don't think they should. Yeah, agreed. All right. So do you have anything else to add here about True Lies before we sign off and send our minions out to go watch it and worship it again? Um, not really. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a phenomenal movie. Um, you know, I think that even if you don't typically like action movies, there, there's enough comedy, of course, and everything else in there for you. Um, I mean, I think there's a little bit for everybody. So it's, it's just, it's really great. And I think that people should see it. Yeah, and I still cannot believe I walked out of it, out of it in 1994 think, being disappointed because he never said, I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> this is the penance that I must live with that I have to rave about this movie for the next 40 years because I feel bad about that. Well, then I have to ask you, Mario, if you were going to put that line in the movie anywhere, where would you have put it? There's like 10 different scenes. That's what kills me. There's like 10 different parts where he's leaving and he could just turn and say, I'll be back. Like in the van with when the, the, the chase, the horse and the motorcycle chase, he leaves Tom Arnold in the van and he puts the sunglasses and he could easily say, I'll be back. <laughs> now, come on. How hard would it be to do that? Uh, yeah, that, that would have been pretty easy. <laughs> okay. I do have to do one last thing before we sign off that Arnold Schwarzenegger's career the biggest star in Hollywood, bar none, this big, every movie he made was an event movie. And then he did Last Action Hero, and I think in 1992, three, and that was a huge flop. And that was like the one chink in his armor. Arnold can actually make a flop. It wasn't, it wasn't felt that it could be possible before that. Right. So it's often assumed that his career ended with Last Action Hero, and he was never the biggest star in Hollywood again. But True Lies came after that. So he did have one last hurrah before he, you know, became governor and stopped making these big action movies where he was the biggest. This really was the last big Arnold movie. I think that has to be pointed out. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. 
All right. Once again, Christine, I want to thank you. I'm sorry, Miss Thong. I just want to thank you for stopping by and talking about both of our favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. And again, my name is Mario Lanza. This is Staff Picks. If you need to reach me, you can reach me on staffpickspodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at Mario J. Lanza. Until next time, I'll be out there looking for movies that deserve more love, and hopefully they have lots of bill packs and one-liners in them that I can quote and be very inappropriate with. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. I'm not a spy. I'm nothing. I'm naval lint. I have to lie to women to get laid. And, and, and I don't score much. I got a little dick. It's pathetic. Oh, 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 God. Oh, would a spy pee himself, huh? Huh?